Welcome to Stillness in the Storms of Life. I'm Stephen Webb, your host, and this is the podcast that helps you to have a little inner stillness and peace when you have it least and you need it most. And on today's show, I'm talking about when we're struggling, when things seem to get on top of us and things are relentless and it's one thing after another. Um, I'm going to share a story about when I lost my computer shop and went bankrupt and what I learned from that. And we'll end the show with the five things to remember when you want to give up. But before that, if you support what I do, you can head over to my Patreon and for just $4 a month, you can really help me to produce more content, more podcasts like this. And you can ask your questions directly to me and I will answer them in the way of a video or directly in a podcast. So yeah, head over to stephenweb.com and there's a link at the top to my Patreon site. That'd be awesome. And if you want to shout out on the show, yeah, I'll shout your name out on the show. Not literally shout, but you know what I mean. Yes, struggles, we all have them, right? And the regular listeners would know that I'm paralyzed just below my neck. I've got limited arm movement. And I broke my neck when I was 18 years old now. It's coming up now. Coming up, what, nearly 30 years, 28 years it'll be 1st of September this year. So, but I'm, I've picked a particular time in my life where I think you'll be able to relate. It was a time when I started to get my life back together and the one thing that was really important to me and what I enjoyed doing was working with computers. Shortly after I came out of hospital, I was given a computer and it was the first time that I really was into computers. I was more interested in women and partying and everything else before I broke my neck. So, hey, I'm just being honest. Um, But after I broke my neck, it was more, um, I got into computers because it helped me a lot more. A computer opened a whole new world to me. And then as time went on, I wanted to upgrade the computer and I taught myself about it. So I'd become like an engineer of computers, but I never really ever plugged one in. Still to this day, I've never plugged in a USB cable. Yeah, I know I can instruct people to build a whole computer, to upgrade it and do all the different things with it. And the computer I've got now is completely built by one of my carers that knows nothing about computers at all. Literally, I tell her where to put the screws in, where to put the cables in and how to do it. So yeah, I'm a computer engineer, but never actually done it. (laughs) After a few years, I met another gentleman called Richard and... We started up a computer shop together. He was going to be the hands. I was going to be the person that dealt with all the other stuff, the orders and the computers and things like that. I would deal with the customers coming in. And it worked really well for a couple of years. And then it was at a time when the internet was just taking off. I think Google was about a year old. Um, eBay didn't exist yet. Facebook wasn't going to exist for another five years. And it was in that twilight zone of when everybody was buying dot-coms. And I'll be honest, I didn't think much of the internet at that point. It was more so download drivers and to go onto these forums. But I couldn't really see the point in it. It was much like the radios were years ago on the CB where you had the fanatics that loved it. But most people didn't really get that involved. Well, we set up this computer shop and 
my stepdad and Richard went out there. They put in all the sideboards. We got all ready. Me and Richard went to the bank and we got a loan. And we got a couple of cards that we had some money on. And we started the shop. We sat back and we waited for the customers. I think we put a couple of adverts in the newspapers. And it was called Bees Knees Computers. As in, you know, all know what they mean by the Bees Knees. It was called Bees Knees Computers. And it was limited. So we all set it up properly with help from accountants. And, and we sat there and we waited for the trade. And yeah, it did all right. Well, we slowly built up. We built up a, a, a good number of customers and visitors who used to pop in for coffee. One of the things I cannot answer really for Richard, but for me, I was far too lenient. I would repair people's computers and go, oh, just five pound, just 10 pound here. And, and really the computer shop down the road that was doing well would charge like £30 per hour, which was probably about right. But there, but I thought, well, I've just sat here and it's taken me about an hour, just five or ten. So over time, this had a knock-on effect because the hardware never really made you any money. You know, all the giants could sell it at a fraction of the cost that we would incur. So there was just no profit in that. So we tried to go down the end of, root of selling computers and we did all right um, we sold quite a few computers but there was never any real profit in that and then pc world opened up and that really it wasn't pc world's fault clearly but my mindset was that we were going to struggle and we did and then eventually about eight nine months later becoming clear to me that i was relying on the next customer to come in just to pay the day's bills and I was having to phone the bank at three o'clock every day just to explain to the business manager at the bank exactly the situation that day. Did we have some money to pay in? Did we sell a computer? Did we have to pay any bills? It took its toll on me. I couldn't wait until the weekend when the banks were closed. It meant I had two days of relative peace. Um, and then the the accounts were building up and everything was just building up and we, we were trying to how can I can say it we, we were trying to we were always in reactive mode we were trying to just get through the next day it got to the stage where I, I I wasn't eating I dreaded going into work I dreaded the phone going I dreaded the customers coming in because I did not have their parts and I did not know what to tell them anymore like they're on the way when really I was waiting for the next customer to pay cash for something in order to order the previous customer's parts. And it's a pretty dire situation, and I thought I could handle it. I thought I could sort it out. I saw, almost thought that something would come along until the day I got a phone call from Inland Revenue, and they said, you know, you cannot keep trading. You're a limited company, and you have a responsibility to your creditors to stop trading. I had to come home and tell my parents. By this time, I'd lost quite a lot of weight. I wasn't eating. I was, I was lying to my parents and my carers. I would say to my parents that I had just eaten. I would say to my carers that my parents had fed me that evening. And, but I wasn't. I couldn't eat. My dog was putting on weight. I had a golden retriever at the time called Ben. He was a Dogsford disabled, awesome dog. 
and he was putting on weight because I was feeding him my food. Um, just couldn't face it. I was six foot tall and I went down to, I believe, about seven and a half stone. You could see every rib on my body. Being paralyzed as well, I was so, you could see all the bones in my hands and my arms and my legs. It wasn't pretty. I closed the shop and I confessed to my parents. Yeah, that was that. It was like a huge weight lift off my shoulder. Albeit I had a, I had to go bankrupt and I had to pay back my parents and I had to do all these different things. But the burden of that was nothing compared to the burden of saying to customers I haven't got their parts when I know they've already paid. Worrying about them coming in and worrying about the phone calls. When I eventually took responsibility, I was able to do something. You know, there is lifelines out there. And, but I got so blinkered that I thought no matter what, I will soldier through. I didn't realize I was becoming a victim of my own courage ego. You could do this. You could, you can really, really stay strong in the face of this, you know, come back the next day and have sheer willpower, be a warrior. You know, sometimes you've got to know when to give up and change direction, and that was one of those times. And of course, in doing that, and making that decision, taking responsibility, it wasn't the end of my struggle. I had to fight back. I had to bring courage and strength and growth to my time. After that, I went to the doctors, and I was put on antidepressants, but I didn't want to stay on them, you know? I, w I was on them for about 18 months. And I think they play a good role when we need them. The antidepressants were able to suppress some of my fears and they enable me to eat. And they say very often when people go on antidepressants, they put on weight. Well, it's because the antidepressants almost give you an, an, uh, an appetite. And that appetite meant that I could rebuild myself and my body a little bit. So that was a good thing. Because I couldn't stand the drinks that they gave me. These build-up drinks, they were disgusting. You know, the strawberry wasn't one wasn't too bad, but the banana one was just disgusting. The bananas didn't even come close to it, you know. It was about this time also that I met my then long-term partner, Emma, and I met her daughter, which is still my daughter now. She's my stepdaughter. She moved in. When she was four, we stayed together for 11 years. So when I took responsibility, when I started like um, building back my life, that's when we got together and we sorted our relationship out. And so everything went on a plus. But it did feel for a long time that no matter what, everything was against me. No matter what I tried, you know, the universe had the, an answer for me, but it wasn't the answer I wanted. But it was the answer that I focused on. I was always like focused on more debt, more troubles, more hassle. So I said at the beginning that I was going to share five things to remember when you want to give up. And I wrote these things down the other day thinking about my time at that point. And the first one is by avoiding it, it grows. And this is whether it's an emotion, whether it's a problem or anything. The more we try to push away something, the more it pushes back. 
It's almost like the the rule of um, opposites. Or what what is that physics rule? You know, equal and opposite reaction. The more you push against the wall, the more the wall pushes back at you. And this goes the same with emotions. Like the more you try to suppress them, the bigger they grow until one day they totally swamp you. It's much like building a dam on the little river beside the beach. We build the dam trying to hold back the water and at some point the water will always break through. And that's what it does when we try to push these problems away, like as if they're, like as if they'll go away by themselves. They won't. They'll get bigger and bigger and bigger until at some point you have to deal with them or you cannot deal with them. Please don't leave it until you cannot deal with them. That's the, you're stronger and you've got more courage and taking the responsibility will really free you from this bind of whatever problems you're having. Another one is, there is always something to be grateful for. And even during the darkest of times, you still got a breath. Start there. You know, in, in the most dire of circumstances, even when Nelson Mandela was in prison for 25 years, he still had his breath. And while he has his breath, there's still hope. And then when there's hope, you have life and you have thought and you have all the other things that can come from that. You know, you've got the ingredients to grow the seed of a better life. There's always something to be grateful for. And very often we've got things that somebody else is praying for. I always like that quote. I don't know where it come from, but it's true. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you're doing okay. You really are. Number three, it's not personal. We often think that these things keep hitting us again and again and again because it's something about us. It's, it's a, the universe has got it in for us. Like the universe has got so much to dish out and it's dishing out all of it towards us because we even see these quotes like, well, we only get given the stuff that we have the strength to endure. I don't subscribe to that. I really don't. I don't think the universe is up there keeping score, seeing how strong you are, seeing what... I just think life's happening and I think we need to deal with it. We need to enjoy the things we enjoy and we need to embrace the things that we don't enjoy so much because you cannot have one without the other. And the universe really doesn't know your name. It's not keeping score. You're really not that important for everybody to conspire to damage you or to keep picking on you. It really is not that, that kind of universe. It doesn't work that way. And this next one's a little bit harder because this is this is a motto, I believe. And there is a gift in everything and you just need to find it. What's the gift when your times are really, really difficult? You know, what was the gift when I was facing bankruptcy, when I was feeling sick at the thought of going into work? When the phone would go, I would look around the shop to see who was there because I did not know how to have the conversation with the bank. And such like. But yeah, I do believe there's a gift in everything. And what is the gift when 
you know, you're on antidepressants, you're so fed up with life, you, ha you don't have any money, you can't pay your bills. You think the world's judging you, and you really just wake up every morning and the problems start the moment you open your eyes. Where's the gift? Well, the gift I couldn't see at that time, but I see the gift now. And the gift was, it grew me, it taught me stuff. It, I had to take responsibility for my life. And because of that, many things have happened since, that that responsibility that I learned at that point has really helped me to not go back to that point today. It's taught me many, many things. And there's always a lesson in something. So even if the gift is only a lesson, it's still a gift. And finally, finally, the moment is not permanent. You know, when we, when we have real problems or when we're really suffering, we tend to think that's our life. You know, we might be suffering from depression or a bad case of anxiety. And when we're in that hole, when we're in that situation, we think that's permanent. We think that's our life. We think that is who we are. It's not. It really is nothing more than a temporary moment, temporary glitch, and it will move on and pass. Things will work out. Okay, so let's bring this podcast to a close. Are you going to be my first supporter over on Patreon? That would be awesome. Support what I do, enable me to create more content, create more podcasts, and yeah, help more people. Help more of you have a little more inner peace and stillness when you need it most. Head over to stephenweb.com. The links are below this podcast. Thank you. Share. And I don't know if you can hear my little Westie in the background doing some coughing, I think. <laughs> Take care, guys. Have a good day. And don't forget to subscribe and review my podcast if you can. Thank you. Bye.